Good morning, everybody. You are alive and well and looking good. Uh, my name is Caleb. I'm the lead pastor here. If we have not met yet, I hope that you were greeted and warmly welcomed on your way in. Uh, you might have heard, if you've been here in recent weeks, uh, me mention, but my wife and I just moved into Team Keshka down on the front row. I love that. It's, this is like for sure the splash zone. That's what happens when you're late. Splash zone. Uh, You've probably heard that, that uh, Hillary Jack and I just moved into a new uh, neighborhood, a new little house, and uh, so we're excited about that. It's fun. It's exciting. We love being there already. It's cool, uh, but when you move into a neighborhood, you kind of don't know what you're going to get in terms of like the neighbors, and so we talked like, really, what do you think? Like, will anybody say hi? There's a park right, you know, close. Uh, when we're out in the park, are there kids going to like want to hang out and their mom's going to want to talk with Hillary and you know or is it going to be cold shoulder like the the ugly part of the OC and ice you know what I mean and uh and we have been so pleasantly surprised the friendliest people probably literally 20 different people have introduced themselves to us like not even us trying and initiating which we've done in some circumstances but like coming to us and saying oh you guys must be the new neighbors oh yeah Two people brought us food to our house. Uh, when we moved in, one of our neighbors said, I feel like I need to tell you uh, on, on the right side of your house, uh, about three weeks before you moved in, uh, there was an incident, uh, and those neighbors are a little bit <clears throat> crazy, and cops came with like rifles drawn, and we're like, oh, thank you for that. That's, <laughs> that's good to know now uh, that we're here, awesome. Uh, so we've been a little bit concerned about the potential there. But on the other side of our house are these awesome young neighbors. Uh, his name's Joe, not this Joe, another Joe. And, and, uh, and, and his wife, whose name's escaping me right now. But Joe and his wife are uh, probably 30, maybe 31, 32. Young professionals, no kids yet in outside sales. And so they just come up to our, our door one night and knock on the door. It's about 8 o'clock, and I look at Hillary like, who the heck is that? You know, don't they know? This is, it's time to like, you know, be, we insulate ourselves, we're resting here, and there's this knock at the door, and so I kind of reluctantly go to the door like, what kind of weirdness is happening? And it's Joe and his wife, and they're holding a plate of cookies. And I, Joe, you know what I mean? Like... Like salesman Joe, you think like those money-hungry salespeople. No, both of these people, outside salespeople, warm and friendly, and then now you're thinking, well, they come from the Midwest and they're just transplants. No, they are born and raised Orange County people. Joe even grew up in Huntington Beach, and they are warm and friendly and greeted us. It was, it was so great. And so uh, then, like a week or two later, we, we come from condo land where you just take all your trash to a dumpster. Uh, so I'm not used to the whole taking your cans out thing and like bringing them back in a timely manner. Uh, and so I, I go out there. I do the thing. I know they're coming on Thursday morning. And so I, got, I get, get, get them out there. And then, and then I forget about them. And, and, and I get this knock on the door again at night. And it's, uh, it's Friday or it's Thursday night before Friday. And I'm thinking again, Hillary, who is this? I'm talking on the door at 9 o'clock at night. And, and so I go to the door again like a little bit suspiciously. And I open the door. And it's Joe. 
And Joe says, uh, is that your white car parked out on the street? And I'm thinking, white car, Hillary's car. Hillary, did you leave a car on the street? Yeah, I did because of this. And, and he goes, well, I just want to let you guys know tomorrow is street sweeping day. And if you leave it out there, you'll probably get a ticket. And I'm like, Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe, you're amazing. And then, and so I go and I move the car and I pull it in the, in the driveway. And, and I'm like, it's, what, can you believe this guy? This is our, what a great neighbor. And then I go and I lie down in bed and I think to myself, I walked right past the garbage cans. I left them on the street. It didn't like dawn on me that the whole street sweeping thing was relevant to the trash cans as well. And, and so I'm lying there and I'm thinking, I'm not going to go get them, whatever. I'm, we're new. We'll just see what happens, you know. And I wake up in the, in the next morning and I walk out there and our trash cans are up by our fence. Joe. <laughs> right? It's great to have a good neighbor, but you also know what it's like to have a bad neighbor, don't you? I mean, you've, you've seen, you've heard of, you've witnessed, some of you are, and, uh, <laughs> and so, and you, you're, you know kind of the, the downside of not being able to pick your neighbors uh, Two, you might have a guy who's like aggressively anti you for whatever reason, like this guy is, like really, uh, you know... <laughs> You're going to feel the wrath. This thing's coming in hot. Or maybe you have someone who's just like a little bit more passive aggressive, but wanting to convey a message to you, you know, (laughs) you want me to trim my hedges, you know, or maybe you have the neighbor who they just, they rock out in the garage at all hours of the night, like these people. But it's better than having this kid as your neighbor, right? I mean, we know that his... His neighborhood is, is a disaster. His poor neighbors. What is the single most uh, dramatic event in sports? I'm going to connect all these dots. What is the single most dramatic event in sports in these last six months that's having a profound impact on a season that's just getting ready to start? Angel well, I see where your heart is. That's not where I'm going, but... <laughs> But I respect, I respect that that's where you are. NFL abuse is a big one. Well, that might be coming in the near future, too. Uh, let's skew a little bit more toward the basketball arena just for a moment here. Season that's just about to start. Uh, I care because that's where my message is going. I need, I need this. I need this for my next point. So throw me a bone here. LeBron, did someone say LeBron? Thank you. I heard LeBron over there. Yes. LeBron James has moved back to Cleveland, Ohio. LeBron James, where he grew up, Akron, this place in Nowheresville, right? And then he gets, all, he gets this opportunity and makes all this money and can go win championships in Miami and Miami is beautiful, and the people are beautiful, and it's easier to be comfortable and famous there, but he chooses, for some reason, to go back to his hometown, not for money, uh, not because the team is necessarily going to be better, uh, but because he feels, for him, in a way, called to that city and to that place. And do you know the impact of LeBron James moving back to the Akron, Cleveland, Ohio area economically for that town? $500 million 
He is the, is the expected amount of increase in the, in the economy, in that local economy. Just by one human being moving back into this town. Uh, not because he's you know, disconnected and making all that money himself or spending all that money himself, but because he actually cares for the community. He partners with organizations. He partners with restaurants in the city uh, because when he comes, an entourage comes with him and other people have started moving in and starting entrepreneurial ventures and the city is just booming now all of a sudden because of this one guy. Now, whatever you think about him, I mean, it doesn't matter, but that's the, that's the actual numeric impact of him going back to his city. What if you could have a crazy impact in your town? What if? Not because you play basketball and people buy your jerseys and you have millions of dollars. I mean, put that aside. But what if you could actually have a profound impact? In your community? What if your city prospered? You know, not on the same scale. Who cares about that? But what if your city prospered more because you lived in it? What if people were glad that you were their neighbor? What if when people talked with their friends like I am to you, they mentioned you being their awesome neighbor? What if, what if your presence in Huntington Beach or Fountain Valley or Westminster or Seal Beach or Long Beach or Cypress or wherever you're coming from, what if your presence mattered to the people around you and made a tangible difference? We're going to be talking about in, that in this series Love Where You Live. And I want to introduce you to kind of our theme verse for the month. It is uh, in the book of Jeremiah, and let me give you a little bit of the context. The Israelites, God's chosen people who lived in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, they had been overtaken by the Babylonians. And King Nebuchadnezzar is now kind of ruling over them. They're under his thumb, and they've taken a, a lots of them. They're, quote, in exile. They brought them out of uh, Jerusalem, and they're in Babylon, and they are displaced, and they are, they're captives, and this is where they're living. Now, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, he's, he's writing this letter, and he's sending it to the elders who are now in Babylon, kind of overseeing, helping, trying to kind of keep up the morale and keep people connected in this place now where they're living under the Babylonian thumb. And so he writes him this letter on behalf of God, and he's like, here's what God wants to say to you. Here's what you need to hear. And so that's the context that we're looking at here. Jeremiah 29, verse 7 says, Also, do good things for the city where I sent you as captives. Pray to the Lord for the city where you are living. Because if good things happen in the city, good things will happen to you also. There's a link, there's a connection, there's a tie between you and the place where you live. And if you bring about good in your city, God will bring about good for you. And you're thinking, or they're thinking when they're reading this, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, you're saying that you have some kind of like a bigger master plan because as I remember it, the, the Babylonians came in and they're the ones that ripped us out of our homes and brought us to this place. This feels, this feels aggressive, this feels wrong, or at least random. 
And God's, and Jeremiah, through the prophet Jeremiah, God's message to them is this is not random. In fact, I have, I have meaning, I have purpose for you in it if, you will, if you're willing to embrace the purpose. Friends, you can find purpose in your place. You can. You can find purpose in your place. You might think, no, I, well, this was just a job transfer that brought me here. No, 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 I just had to live in this house because my mother-in-law, and my, you know, my in-laws passed away and they left it to us. Or, or we, just, we just had to move here for the school district or, or whatever the situation is. And it might seem totally random to you right now, but what my hope is that you'll begin to appreciate and realize that there is purpose in your place. And there's a bigger story that God's telling and there's more involved even than meets the eye in what you think. You can find purpose in your place and you can act like where you live matters even when it seems random. I lived in Tacoma, Washington for a season of life. I had sold a condo here. I was living up there briefly because I went to this retreat conference thing. I decided to stay for a month and then all of a sudden I just kept staying. Why? Because I felt like God in a weird way, was calling me just to be there. Not live there forever, but for that season. I didn't like it as a place. Uh, Hillary grew up in that general area, Gig Harbor University Place, Tacoma, if you know the area. And there's great things about it, but for, for me, wanting to like try to play beach volleyball, it, it, was, it was tough uh, because it just kind of does this all the time. It's not like a downpour. It's just like a, a constant perpetual drizzle. So you're always a little bit like cold in your bones, you know? And, and so it was, it, was, it was tough for me. But I, I, I just, I'm here for this season, and I'm going to try to make the most of it. I met Hillary, my wife, when I was there. I did some consulting for YMCA, totally, it, was, it seemed completely random at the time. But the, I was able to write my first book while I was there. That kind of set me on a track, and, and they bought a bunch of them, and it led to a different thing. And I was able to meet some people in the Tacoma area who were so convinced that they were where they were for a reason, that it had a profound impact on me that's influencing this series. There were guys, men and women, who were just, they believed that God has me here for a reason. Maybe I could go live in this place, I could go up to Seattle, or I could live down in, in the south or whatever, but they felt like this is where I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to give my life to honoring God in this city. One guy in particular, his name is Ross Stewart. He does Young Life up there, and Hillary met Jesus because of Ross's influence in her life. Because he is one of those guys that just says, I don't care what it looks like or what organization I'm with. I feel called to this place. And I'm just going to keep loving students toward God in this place. And they partnered with churches and they partnered with other organizations. And they, did, they just kind of networked and they were just, we are here for this community. We are changing this community. And that example has had a profound impact on me. And one of the reasons why we talk about that so much, that we, that we are here on purpose, that you are where you are for a reason, and our church is where it is for a reason. And we don't just settle for coming here and, and having great times on Sundays, but we move into this city, into this community for its good, because that's what God says that we are to do. He says, 
He would want us to say, I am here, and I will be blessed as I bless. I am here, and I will be blessed as I bless. Little side note, because I've had conversations with people recently who have felt like uh, they wanted to do something or go somewhere or move here from somewhere else or something. Uh, note, as you look at, as, as I look at Scripture, as I, as I think about people's lives, what I, what I consistently see, and in the verse that we just read, it's true, that God moves us to a place, not so much from a place, right? Oftentimes, as a human, I am prone to run from. Like, I, this is just uncomfortable. I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm not running to, I'm just running from. But God is intentional, and he says there's actually purpose in what I take you to and whom I take you to. You might find yourself in a situation that's really uncomfortable and irritating and whatever else, and you want to run from it. But pause and ask yourself, but has God brought me here for a reason? Is there purpose in this? Is there a bigger story that I'm missing? Is this place, are these people, is this person significant in what God's doing in my life? Because he has a tendency to take us to places. And our default is to want to run from places. Our, our human tendency is, is even more than that. We, we tend to move toward isolation in general. It's just, I don't know, it's just how we are. And we, we've been this way from the very beginning. Look at Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve, whatever you think, some of you are like, I don't, you still believe in Adam and Eve? Yeah, but it's still relevant to you even if you have a hard time getting there because this is what happens to us still today. When they chose to turn their back on God for the first time, they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. And then the Bible says in verse 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So what happens for, for me and probably for you is that there's this progression, right? We start with shame. We know that there's something broken in us, something that we're not proud of, something in our past that we're embarrassed about, some kind of weaknesses that keep catching up to us, or some disconnection from God, or this disconnection from who we actually are and who we think we should be. And so there's shame involved at our core. And then there's fear that builds on top of that. And then we're afraid, and so we want to hide. We, we get suspicious of other people. Because they must know something or they must be worse than me. And they, they, they have issues and we're insecure about our own stuff. And so we get suspicious of others and then we insulate and kind of hold people at arm's length. And we kind of have our shelter and have our barrier of appropriate distance where we can kind of exist and not be too vulnerable, which ultimately leads to isolation. That's kind of how that progression works. And you can see it playing out in your life more than likely. But the fact is, the more isolated we get, the more self-centered we become, and we think we're protecting ourselves, but we're actually damaging ourselves. And we're not being who God designed us to be. God's plan from the beginning has always been that his people, that you, even if you're here for the first time and you're like, you keep lumping me into his people, well, just, just go with me. His people were always designed to be a blessing to others. That's always been his design that we would be a blessing to others. Now, you've seen it go terribly wrong and, and 
People do crazy things in the name of being Christian or religiousness, and they're terrible to other people, but that's not been God's design ever. That's humans screwing things up, humans doing what humans do. His design has always been that people, his people, would bless other people because, we're, because he loves everybody. He created everybody. Here's what the Bible says in Genesis 12. It says, The Lord said to Abram, who became the famous father Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and, I, and you will be a blessing. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Not just the Jews, not just the good little boys and girls on Christmas. All the people will be blessed through you from me. That's my plan, God said. That's my intention. James 2.8 says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. That's the right idea. That's what you should be about. I don't know whatever else you're about, but you should be about that. And then finally, Romans 12, 18 reminds us that it is possible, as, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Now, it's not always possible. Some people, you know, just don't want to live at peace with you. But as far as you can, you are responsible to do what you can to live at peace with people, even the crazy neighbor, right? Even the person at work that drives you nuts, as far as you can, live at peace with everybody. So we're going to talk in this series about what it means to learn to love where we live. And as we go, we'll get more practical and we'll have some specific things and things that we'll invite you to. For this morning, I wanted to uh, introduce you to some friends of mine. And, and it's just a simple way that they are actively engaged and loving where they live. Watch this video. So we've lived in Costa Mesa for about 10 years, and it's a city that we absolutely love. It's a real vibrant place with a lot of diversity, um, but also a city that there seems to be kind of a two cities within one city that's really divided by the 55 freeway between east side Costa Mesa and west side Costa Mesa. And for us, it was really seeing that was one thing, but really to have our awareness heightened to what was going on uh, right outside of our door. So one of the things that we felt compelled to, to be involved with is one particular neighborhood that we've, we've known and been around for a while. Uh, a lot of kids in this neighborhood, there's a park there and kind of an absence of just uh, mentors and people that are around. So we just decided really simply just to, to be with the kids. Basically a lot of times just show up to the neighborhood and the kids are um, oftentimes just waiting in the park. They're looking forward to us coming um, and we just, play. <laughs> it's pretty simple. That's pretty much their favorite thing is just when we play soccer or we uh, come up with a silly relay race or something like that. We just play. One of the most surprising things has been the fact that we just have to show up and it makes a big difference. You know, we come to church and it feels like things are so well done and you know, those programs that are incredible and sometimes we feel the pressure to have to do that. Um, in our lives or wherever we go and uh, sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming but we found that just showing up and playing has been one of the most life-changing things for the kids that's been pretty incredible for us time and again just to show up with nothing just um, just us <laughs> and uh, it's been great and now for our daughter to, to be there and be involved in that 
and to see that neighborhood as people that we don't just drive past, but those are people that are our friends and that we care for has just been incredible for us. We live in Costa Mesa and we love where we live. That's cool, right? Just a simple way that they engage and they're making an impact on kids' lives in their town. But I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but I live in a gated community for a reason, you know? And the people around me in a gated community have chosen to live here for a reason. They don't want me knocking on their door. They don't want whatever, whatever, whatever. But you can even see in those circumstances the pattern to isolate, to insulate, to be suspicious, and just play that out. Some of you are thinking, well, but this is just in the season of life for me. I'm single, I'm in an, or I'm in an apartment. I'm transient. Everyone's kind of transient around me. This isn't, this isn't and just, just kind of pay attention to the way that you want to kind of rationalize and think, well, I don't, man, not for me. There is a reason, there is a purpose in your place, even right now. Well, maybe when we have kids and we like go to the park together, then we'll meet other moms with kids and dads who bring their kids. And there's a reason, a purpose for your place right now. Figure out what that is. I don't know. I, I, I can't prescribe it. One person was telling me just in between services that uh, they live in this condo complex that has shared washer-dryer things, you know, and that every time they go to do their laundry, it's always a mess, and that their instinct has been to get frustrated and think, no one cares about the common community stuff in this place, but they've shifted, they've kind of turned that mind frame, and they've said, you know what, this will be our expression of love toward our condo complex. We will just clean it up every time we do our laundry. And we won't be mad about it. We won't complain about it. We won't judge everyone else for their messiness. This, this will just be a simple thing that we do. It'll take us five minutes. We'll just clean up every time we do laundry. What is it for you? What, what would God say to you? There's a couple of uh, simple things that we're going to talk about. Two, two simple actions for this morning that we're pulling out of that one verse from Jeremiah. The first one is this. We're going to pray for good things. Pray to the Lord for the city where you live. So simple, but so meaningful. When you pray, you are asking God to move on behalf of someone else. And you are asking God to move your heart towards someone else. When you pray for other people, and the three ways that I break it down that just makes sense to me and kind of help frame it in my mind are people, projects, and problems. People, neighbors, coaches, teachers, business owners, politicians, the people that you work with, whatever that looks like. Pray for people. Just real simply, pray for them. Look for ways in the rhythm of your daily life that you encounter people and just in your mind, in your heart, or just with a whisper, you can just pray a blessing over them. Just this week, I've noticed there's a couple of days in the afternoon where there's soccer practices out in the park in front of us, and there's a lot of cars that park on the street on both sides during those practices, and I had this like one, one time, this one twinge of, dang it, I hate when there's so many cars just like lining our street, and I'm like trying to get into the driveway or something like that, 
And then I thought, you idiot. Like, what are you, why, don't think that way. Use that, when I, noticed, when I noticed the chaos at the park in front of us, use that as a prompt, as a trigger, as a reminder to pray for those people, to pray for those coaches. God, give them patience because those kids are just running around like a swarm of bees. Give them patience. Give those parents wisdom as they parent. Bless those kids as they grow up. Help them be strong. Keep them safe. Let this park be a safe place for kids. Pray. Look, look for those opportunities to pray for people. Pray for projects, nonprofits that are doing things in the city that you're aware of, new developments, that there would be safety as this huge new apartment structure goes up. Pray for the people that will live in there, that God would draw them to himself, that he would use our church to impact this part apartment structure somehow. Pray for projects. And then pray for problems. Droughts, crime, spiritual darkness in general. Say, God, move in this city. I pray good things for this city. One thing that's helpful for me is I, I try to turn interruptions into inspiration to pray. There's interruptions all the time. Someone annoys you, someone texts you, calls you, parks in front of your house, does whatever it is that they do that kind of gets on your nerves sometimes. Instead of letting that just be an annoying interruption, use it as inspiration to pray. And just a simple little one-phrase blessing, God, bless this person. God, give me patience and to love this person. God, I want good for this person. Let this person's business prosper in this city. And use that as a moment to pray. The second thing that we're going to do starting this morning is we're just going to commit to do good things. It's as simple as that. The verse, our theme verse said also, do good things for the city. Now the, the, the mind shift from here is from minding my own business to making it my business to do good in the city. From minding my own business to making it my business to do good in this city. Whether you join a league and you're playing that just to meet more people and love people well, whether you're doing some cleanup stuff, you do a beach cleanup, or what, any thousands of ways that that could look, what we're going to commit to is to pray, just simple prayers, for people, projects, and problems in our city, and to do good. We'll talk about other practical ways that that can play out over the next few weeks. It'll be fun and exciting, and we're going to engage you to play more than just with the pins. Uh, but we, we're going to invite you to do all kinds of things, uh, and you're going to tell us about interesting things that you're doing and, and all those kind of things, and it's going to be great. But just for this morning, I wanted to finish up with just a very simple, basic thing. I just want us to start here, right where we are. This pen represents, this is where I am. Like, to, this is where I live, A, but this is where I am. And some of us, where we are is we're nervous about this. We don't like engaging with people that we don't know, with strangers. Or we feel like, hey, this is my time in my neighborhood. This is just my, this is my sanctuary. I, you know, I do all this stuff out there, but here I just do me. I just keep to myself. I just like things the way I like them. And so we, we just want to say, hey, I'm, I'm just being honest. This is where I am, but I'm, I want to be open. I want to be open to maybe God wants to challenge me. And so we just want to pray a simple prayer of confession that I have a tendency toward isolating and insulating from other people. 
and, and that I don't care enough about other people, that I default to selfishness. So we're just going to confess that. And then we just want to make a simple commitment that I want to be engaged in praying for others in my city and my neighbors and my coworkers or whatever, and I want to be about doing good. And you'll figure out what that looks like for you uniquely as we go, but that's the simple commitment that we want to make today. And we're going to start right here saying, I am here and I'll be a blessing. God, we pray that you would show us in our lives where it is that we insulate and exclude and isolate and begin to convict us of those things and, and, and get us just a little bit more outside of our comfort zone that we, would, that we would pray for the good of others and that we would be committed to doing good to others. We might not know at all what that looks like yet or we might do things already and you want to help us take even another bold step forward and we are open to that. Continue to speak to us, God.